turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. The entire Bible every year. On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Sophie will ask questions from the Bible Live leaders. You call in with the correct answers and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of The Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. Have a wonderful Sunday. I hope you've enjoyed a great day of worship and an opportunity to fellowship with other believers in the... in some congregation, large or small or medium size, and being able to enjoy uh, the Lord today and worshiping Him and hearing from the Lord, studying His Word, growing in the Scriptures. Uh, it's been a great day for us, and I hope it has been for you as well. Al, Dr. Al Johnson is here with me in the studio, and Stacy is joining us as well. Uh, my daughter Stacy will be a part of our discussion tonight, and we are... We're looking at some remarkable books of the Bible. As you know, we make our way through the entire Bible every year. Genesis all the way to the book of the Revelation in the New Testament. Uh, just We get a chance to 39 books of the Old Testament, 27 books of the New Testament. We make our way through all 66 books of the Bible every year. And we are now, We this past week, we finished up the book of Ezra. Uh, we'd already read First and Second Chronicles, and then we went in uh, last week and read mainly. We focused on the Book of Romans in the New Testament, a tremendous, uh, wonderful, amazing, uh, unique letter that Paul wrote to the believers uh, in the first century there in Rome. And we covered those uh, the book, sixteen chapters of the Book of Romans, and we started the Book of Ezra. Uh, on the Friday of last week, of the week before, and then this past week we finished up the book of Ezra, chapters 4 through 10, and then we started the book of Nehemiah and got through chapter 13. This coming week, uh, if you go to our website, thebiblelive.com, thebiblelive.com, you'll find our readings for this coming week are already posted. Um, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. You can find every weekday, you'll find a 15 to 20 minute reading from the scriptures. Uh, And uh, like I said before, the entire Bible is we read through on our website every year. So you can go and listen to the Bible, every verse, every chapter, every book. And we will finish up this coming week, the book of Nehemiah. 
and then start, go back to the New Testament and start the reading of uh, the epistles that Paul wrote to the Corinthians. Uh, There were four letters that Paul wrote to the Corinthians. We have two of them have been reserved and preserved, and we know them as 1st and 2nd Corinthians in the New Testament. So uh, we'll pick up on those at the latter part of this coming week, but we'll finish up, first we'll finish up the book of Nehemiah. So tonight we're ready to uh, take your phone calls for the next 90 minutes, 210-340-9585. That's our call-in line here on the Bible Live radio program. And you can comment. Maybe you have a thought. Maybe you have a comment. Maybe you have a question about the books, uh, this particular, this amazing period of time, uh, the time of Ezra and Nehemiah and this beauty queen winner named Esther, uh, Hasidaris, I think I'm trying to remember the name now, but the Hebrew name, Hadassah. Hadassah. There you go. Thank you. And, uh, we know the Bible calls her Esther. Uh, this is all during this period of time of what we call the exile, the 70-year period that God took the people of Israel out of Israel. They were uh, taken by Nebuchadnezzar, remember, with the destruction of the temple in 586 B.C., and they were in Israel for 70 years, um, a whole generation birthed, born there, and then... Uh, and then uh, Miraculously, really, uh, a, a Persian leader, Nebuchadnezzar, in the Babylon, Babylonian Empire, was uh, conquered by Persia. The Medo-Persian empires began under, um, let me see, uh, Darius, and then the, the Great, and then and then there was a, a, a what's the name I'm looking for, Doctor, um, the one who allowed them to return. Xerxes and Artaxerxes? No, uh, he was predicted by Isaiah 150 Cyrus. years. Cyrus. 150 years before Cyrus was born, Isaiah predicted that Cyrus of Persia would allow the people of Israel to return from exile in Babylon. Babylonia would allow them to return to uh, Israel and to Jerusalem. Um, an amazing thing because that just wasn't done. The emperor, that exile was a very common uh, strategy and procedure for these emperors, these pagan emperors, because it removed the power structure from the ne- from the land where they were in, so they couldn't reorganize and and then uh, foment revolution against the emperors. So they would take out the leaders, the, the those in the royal lineage and, and the the most capable, the wealthy, the influence influencers, and so on. And that had been done. That's how Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach, Abednego, Ezekiel, that's how they all ended up in Babylon. And uh, But God used them mightily. We'll talk about all of this, this entire situation, this entire uh, amazing series of events that uh, God uh, orchestrated it was part of his plan. The people of Israel were being, in fact, uh, disciplined by God. Uh, their sin and their rebellion and their disobedience to God was being judged, and they were taken out of the land as it had been told that they would be, even under as far back as Solomon. If you don't obey my laws, if you don't follow me, then then 
and, and there are a whole series of things that God said could happen to them. And one of those was that you could be taken out of the land. I'll remove remove you from the land, and and that's what happened uh, here with the people of Israel. And but we see this this amazing uh, hundred year period, basically, where God acted. He carried out his his uh, promise, not only to judge and to discipline the people of Israel, but also to restore them. Because he had another covenant relationship that he was going to bring the Messiah of the world, the Savior, through the uh, Davidic lineage there in Jerusalem and through the people of Israel. The Messiah was to come. So he had to restore them. And it, and it had to. I don't mean God was in a uh, have-to situation. But that was part of his covenant and his plan was that he did restore the people of Israel to the land and restore the Davidic lineage so that, uh, you know, 500 years later, the Messiah, Jesus of Nazareth, could be born of in the city of David, in Bethlehem, of the lineage of David, on both his mother and father's side, uh, Mary and Joseph. So it, it, it's, an, it's just an amazing, amazing, uh, astounding time. And we're, our prayer tonight is that you will join in us as we consider the books of First uh, and Second Chronicles, Ezra now in particular, Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther, and we can see what God did, how he did it, why he did it, for his name's sake and for his kingdom's sake, for the love of humanity, to keep his promise and his, his uh, covenant uh, with uh, and through the people of Israel to bring the Redeemer of the world through them. And then we want to make an application uh, to the times in which we are living today here, uh, 2,000-plus years, what, 2,500 years later, the same God is in control of men and nations. The same God is still directing and controlling the affairs of men and nations, and he is doing so essentially for the same purpose. It's his redemptive plan. God is calling out of the human race a people for himself. He is revealing himself to the world, to the nations of the world, and calling out of every out from every people group around the world a people for himself. Those who desire God, seek God, want God, want to be a part of God's people, to worship God and know God and serve God, he's calling out a people for himself from every nation, every tribe, every language group, and he has made a redemptive plan through which he can reconcile fallen sinful human beings to himself through the redemptive work, the atoning work of Jesus the Messiah, and, and whose name we bear now as his followers and uh, in whose name we, we now bear witness. We tell the world enthusiastically about uh, the, God's plan and about how people can be made right with God and experience God in their life here and on into eternity and be a part of not only God's family but God's redemptive plan as well as we share the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ with men and women everywhere. So that that is uh, what we're doing in this these books, Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther. They, are, they provide an amazing look at the power and wisdom of our God, the God of the Bible, his ability to overcome any kind of opposition 
even using those who are opposed to him and, and who rebel against him for his own purposes. And we'll see that very clearly, Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther. So if you'd like to call in and, and comment on that, 210-340-9585 is our phone number. Uh, we'll be talking about those. And uh, let's go. Let me, let me just kind of get out of the driver's seat here a moment and get Dr. Johnson to uh, kind of belly up here and tell us a little bit about your your perspective of these matters. We're, we're looking at Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther, but I also mentioned that uh, there's been some things happened this very week and over the last 20, 30, 40, 50 years here in our own nation of America, we've seen God, we've had our own kind of spiritual adventure going on uh, with abortion and, and, and you know, kind of, uh, kind of godless liberalism and, and uh, kind of the, the force and the power of, of um, secularism kind of taking over. We have a history, a legacy as a nation of being a God-fearing nation based upon uh, the the Bible, the scriptures, the the gospel of Jesus Christ here in this land. And yet we've been kind of throwing that overboard for the last 40, 50 years. But we saw some dramatic things happen this week uh, with the overcome, the over uh, overturning of Roe v. Wade and the so-called right uh, to an abortion. And then we saw a judgment coming down from the Supreme Court about um, gun rights and the, the freedom that we experience as a people and the Second Amendment. And we also saw a judgment coming from the Supreme Court about public education and about the role of faith in schools and the, that, that Christian schools and religious schools can indeed ex, uh, receive, uh, since we do publicly finance education, that uh, there cannot be a bias against uh, religious education as well. So these are three major decisions made in one week period, just eight or ten day period. And uh, maybe I'll let me step aside a moment and give you a chance to wax eloquent about do you see any relationship between what we read about in Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther, what God did then, 2,500 years ago, and maybe what God is doing in our world today? Well, let me step back just a little bit historically. My wife and I uh, got married in 1975. We were not followers of Christ. We were liberal to the core. We moved to Oregon where I went to school, and uh, it was a liberal state. that had two conservative, so to speak, senators, Republicans, but the state was controlled by Democrats because of the population centers, uh, Salem, Eugene, Corvallis, and uh, Portland. Anyway, so we were out there, and we were very comfortable in Oregon as liberals. Well, in 1982, uh, something changed for me. Uh, went to a, I was already in active duty in the Army, and we were at uh, a Billy Graham crusade that was held on Fort Bragg. And... Uh, I surrendered my life to the Christ. On the base. On Billy the Graham. base. Billy Graham crusade on the base. That in and of itself is quite remarkable, but yeah. okay. I'll yeah, just... couldn't happen today. <laughs> <laughs> At any rate, John Wesley White was the evangelist. But uh, So I surrendered my life to, to Christ at that time, and within the next couple of years, G Judy came along, and we obviously had a change of worldview. Um, we have become quite pro-life. Uh, 
I was talking with you before we came on the air about um, the Summer of Mercy, 1991. And uh, we were up at uh, Wichita, Kansas, for Operation Rescue during that summer. Um, I went up for a week of leave, and then Judy came up, and then we were up there together for a week together, and we managed to get ourselves arrested because we were up there protesting a late-term abortionist by the name of George Tiller, who, uh, in infamy, had uh, built a hotel or two or owned them and would fly women in for late-term abortions. Now, ultimately, he was, his demise came in his own church by a pro-life activist. We don't ever condone violence on the pro-life side, but there are people that, for the same reason anybody else would commit murder, uh, had evil in their heart and thought they'd take life into their own hands. At any rate, we ended up uh, under the ruling of a Catholic federal judge who put an injunction on our protesting, and we could not be on public sidewalks, and this was in response to George Tiller's request for relief because we were impacting his operation quite heavily because people came from all over the United States for that summer of mercy. The final event was held at Wichita State University on the on the big the football stadium, and um, this is seventy three ninety one. 1991, 1991 now? 1991. Okay. Oh, yeah. So 73 is where you had begun. Yeah. We, you were not a believer at that time. Correct. We got but married now 90... in 75, and so we've lived under uh, Roe versus Wade before we were married. Uh -huh. And uh, starting in uh, 82, we became involved with the pro-life community. And when we moved here in 87, we were in, quite involved with, uh, with pro-life community. And uh, we provided... Uh, a home for unwed mothers as they were in the process of a pregnancy. So we don't just protest. We try to live out our faith in, in practical ways and uh, helping with foster children, adoptions, and things of that nature that are uh, part of our faith. Why we believe what we believe is because of the Bible. Mm -hmm. And uh, so this historical week for us... Um, doesn't solve the abortion problem at all. It simply returns it to the states. Now, that puts some people in certain states at, an odd, at, at, at odds with the law now. And so if they're going to have to get an abortion legally, they're going to have to go to another state to get it. Ultimately, for those of us who are vividly pro-life, are waiting for the day when abortion is no longer something that we entertain as a, a legal and I don't know how you can legally kill people except as part of the justice system. For some, we have the death penalty, and I'm okay with that. It's an Old Testament thing to do, and uh, but to take innocent life, it's it's hard for me to to, to swallow that concept. Mm -hmm. And so we're looking for the day when abortion is no longer something that happens in the United States legally. So to tie it together with what's going on in this passage or these passages of Scripture, Isaiah predicted and prophesied that a king would come to Persia, and his name was Cyrus. Now, he's after all of these guys that we're talking about today, Artaxerxes mm -hmm. and Artaxerxes, and he, he was, uh, his time frame was 559 to 530. And so when we're looking at Isaiah 
Jeremiah and Ezekiel were contemporaries as well as they have, there was some overlap with, with Daniel. And then you have Nebuchadnezzar who destroyed Jerusalem in 586. And then, of course, after Nebuchadnezzar took uh, Daniel and others to Babylon, then Daniel predicted the their defeat. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar kind of had a, a, a false or quasi-conversion, we're not sure. God would somehow, it's, I think one of the aspects of this whole story is how God used these pagan, idolatrous leaders of, of Babylon and later on uh, of Assyria, then Babylon, then, then the Medo-Persian Empire there out of Babylon, out of Babylon uh, uh, Darius, and then Darius the first, second, third, then Xerxes, then Artaxerxes, and uh, how God used particularly this this prophet Daniel, it, amazingly individual he must have been, and, and Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, is the, and, and Ezekiel all over in Babylon. Uh, all during this period, God is still at work in and through and with and around his people, and he is bringing about not only working in and through them individually, the people in that moment, in that time, but through them, to affect world history, to, to to keep his promise to bring about the Messiah through the descendants of the biological descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and well, actually the faith descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, in and so that five hundred years later, in the city of David, Bethlehem, Jesus the Messiah is born, and the Savior of the world, the Redeemer who has come to pay that penalty to affect the atoning, do the atoning work so that men and women everywhere could be reconciled to God, could be find peace with God in a relationship with God through the redemptive plan that God put in place through Jesus. And all of that advanced powerfully, even during this tumultuous period uh, this uh, of when Israel is in exile. And, and God seems to, in some ways, he may have accomplished more during that, hundred-year period of exile for, in terms of preserving his redemptive plan and, and putting it back on course, he may have accomplished more in that 70- to 80-year period than he did in some ways all through the time of uh, the, the kingdom there in, in Israel. It, it's an amazing story. I'm always struck by the fact that God, as, his, as he is sovereign, is able to use his enemies to still bring about his will. Uh, he took his people and put them in captivity in Assyria. And he did it again in, in, in uh, Babylon. But that didn't stop his plan. It just was weaved into his plan for the Messiah and all of the continuity of the line of David and all of these people that we... How did Esther fit into that? And how did Ruth fit into that? And how yeah. did uh, these seemingly... Uh, non-Jewish people fit into this line of the Messiah, it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't fit from our thinking. But it worked. from God's perspective, he's sovereign. And he can make it work, and he does. And so today we're uh, under the... Uh, we're under a government that is, has told God to take a hike. We, 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 don't, we don't even acknowledge him. We still have a chaplain in the Senate and whatever, but it, it's... It's a pro not, forma. It's not namely. real. Yeah, it's not real. It's it's just historical and traditional, and we've got people that want it to quit. 
But evidently, God evidently is still at work. Even in that, and, and, and like you, uh, so many decades ago, I mean, I know that uh, Suzanne and I, although we were overseas for many of those years uh, in our missionary work overseas, uh, and, but all through these decades now, we and so many hundreds and thousands and thousands and, thousands and even millions of believing Christians, Americans, have prayed, oh God, restore us, restore us, bring revival, bring re- uh, renewal to our land, forgive us of our sin, forgive us. And, and there has been this constant cry, generation to generation, decade to decade. And uh, and now seemingly we are seeing some things happen. It's not the whole enchilada yet, as we say in South Texas, but... There's obviously a, a remarkable, dramatic steps that are being taken and have been taken even this very week. And it, it, it's so interesting to me that it corresponds with our reading from these books, Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther, which are historical, biblical record of God's involvement in the same sort of way. And so hopefully tonight we can we can become excited and we can become enthusiastic again about... And optimistic about the God that we serve, that he is not silent, that he is not an absentee landlord. He's he's sovereign. He's involved. He's responding to the prayers of his people. And we can rejoice and celebrate that even at the same time that we remain faithful to, to share his word, to love people around us, to lift up others uh, and seek God's provision, God's solution to uh, so many of these difficult situations in our world today. Well, that's that's our opening segment. That's our introductory to our comments and our our study tonight from the books of Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther. So uh, we're going to take a break now. Come back after this this brief uh, messages and continue with the Bible live. If you'd like to be a part of the program, two ten three four zero ninety five eighty five. Come back and join us right around the corner. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Stan Shelton, with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway, has taken care of the Dollar family, that's Suzanne and me, plus our three children, for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to DrShelton.com or call 590-7878. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice as we lift His name. 
You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Welcome back to the Bible Live broadcast. Dr. Johnson is here with me. Al, as we know him, is friends and family. And our daughter Stacy is along with us. We've begun our consideration of the books of Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther, these transition books between the exile and captivity of the people of Israel in Babylon for 70 years, corresponding with the... um, Ten decades, the ten times that they did not observe God's command to let the land lie fallow, not uh, harvest the land. Uh, We understand from Scripture that this 70 years was a result of that disobedience. And yet God has done amazing things. Uh, God himself wasn't put on hold. He wasn't distracted and had to twiddle his thumbs for 70 years until he could get his people back in Israel. Uh, He accomplished in just unbelievable, uh, amazing things during the time of the exile in them, with them, through them, and around them in terms of his ultimate redemptive plan uh, to bring the Messiah, the Savior of the world, through the people of Israel, through the lineage of David uh, in, uh, in Jerusalem. So he preserves them. This is an amazing uh, miracle. Who would have thought that the smallest portion of an of, of even a, a very inherently divided, tiny little nation could survive 70 years in captivity in a culture far different, uh, far distant from their own land, and then return to their homeland to live again. And it, if that was improbable enough, these survivors who were sent back with the K- Persian king's blessings, with Cyrus' blessings uh, and others, Darius and others, uh, they were op- opposed anew and afresh by the local residents of when they did get back. They were opposed by local forces and, and uh, residents, and they didn't know enough of God's statutes to live righteously. And yet, like I say, in the words of Jesus himself in the New Testament, Jesus said, humanly speaking, it is impossible, but with God, everything is possible. God is working in time and space. He's working in history, and he does not abuse the uh, the free will of any individual. Uh, one of the things you have to consider when God works uh, in this world, two things. One is that he never abuses the free exercise, the free will that he's given to human beings. Uh, and yet many of the things he accomplishes is accomplished through his people through people who have opened themselves to God and given themselves to him for his purposes. So that's one thing to have in mind. But in other cases, we see that God uses the very uh, the sin and the selfishness of these godless, uh, pagan, idolatrous leaders like 
like the pharaohs of Egypt were even used for God's redemptive plan. And now we see God working in and through Nebuchadnezzar, through Darius, through Cyrus the Great, through these uh, pagan leaders. In some cases, it looks like some of them were very highly and favorably impressed by God and God's people. Uh, Again, I would repeat that Daniel, this amazing individual Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, Ezekiel, the people of Israel in exile, those that were taken into exile, um, they must have had a, a, a huge impact not only on the the reigning emperors on their land. Of course, David, remember David and uh, Daniel, I'm sorry, interpreted dreams. Uh, he served as an advisor to five of these emperors during this incredible transition period. And the people of Israel enjoyed a, a degree of favor and Evidently, they were, uh, in some measure at least, busy serving God and being a witness to the true and living God, to the people, to the nation, uh, and to the empire of of Babylon, and later on the Medo-Persian Empire as well. And so you go through these uh, different uh, leaders. You have, uh, as we said, you have have Nebuchadnezzar, then you have Cyrus, then you have Darius, Darius the first, second, third. You have Xerxes, you have Artaxerxes, and, and of course later this leads then to Alexander the Great uh, conquering, uh, at age 22, conquering uh, Persia and bringing them into the uh, under the Greek Empire. And the beginning of the era of the Greek Empire, which translates later on with the death of Alexander into the Roman Empire, and as, as the Greek Empire falls apart in, into different divisions. As Daniel himself, uh, and when we read the book of Daniel, you will see Daniel predicts all of those great movements uh, up into including the Roman Empire and, and even further on, even to the time in which we live, the coming of Jesus the Messiah and into the times in which we're living, uh, uh, when when knowledge is exploding around the world and, and tr- world travel and global uh, transportation and transport uh, are more commonplace. Uh, Daniel actually predicted the times in which we're living as well. So it's an amazing uh, period of time, and we're uh, I've gotten Dr. Al here to tell us a little bit about his. Uh, perspective. We're looking at Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, how God worked in and through and around his people to bring about this great miracle, uh, this response. Now, we've been looking for a miracle of God on behalf of our nation, the United States of America, here in the 21st century. And uh, we've seen some things happen, even this very week, some things happen that might indicate that God is moving, that that we are seeing the answer to our prayers over these decades. Uh, I'm going to see if I can bring up Stacy and and get her kind of thoughts. (laughs) You are there. How's my grand, how's my grand, how's my little granddaughter doing? And my grandson, are they both? Oh, she's, she's good. He's good. It was a little, uh, I'm, I'm glad we're in the second segment. She did pay a visit the first 
uh, half uh, half hour, and I don't know that I would have been able to come on. So, <laughs> thank you. The timing is good. We She's put we put him to sleep, yeah. didn't we? Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah exactly. I, that's my... All I had to do is put her on speaker, put you on speaker. <laughs> yeah, no. and they went right. That's Not my spiritual true. gift. I've determined <laughs> that that my spiritual <laughs> gift is putting people to sleep. <laughs> but anyway, Stacey, I'm no. glad you're there, and and, and I I know uh, we've talked many times in the past about Ezra Nehemiah Esther this particular rich this is an incredibly historically an incredibly rich period of time with fast moving Uh and the empires are changing and rising and following falling and and yet here the people of Israel are in exile and you have Daniel and Shadrach Meshach Abednego and you have Esther and all these things going on and it's just this hundred year period is just astounding it was predicted by Isaiah and Mm -hmm. Jeremiah even to Remarkably, to include the name of Cyrus the Great, that Isaiah, 150 years before Cyrus even came to ex- was born, Isaiah predicted uh, that this one named Cyrus would allow the people of Israel to return from exile. Uh, this 70 years, it, it's just an astounding portion. But uh, in light of it, in, in and of itself, and plus, I, I'm kind of juxtaposing. I'm I'm kind of overlaying what we learn and yeah. see of God in these books to the times in which we're living as well. A different time altogether in in the redemptive uh-huh. plan, a narrative history of God. But we still see, I mean, the same God is ruling in the affairs of men and nations today as he was then. And basically with the same priority, that is the the, the harvest. God is calling out of the uh, people for himself. And even as he took dramatic steps forward in his plan, to reach a world of, with the redemptive plan of, in those times, God is doing the same thing today, and we can expect that, and we can pray in, with that in mind. And, and I think that's uh, one of the great um, secrets of effective prayer is to pray God's will, what he is yeah. doing, and, be, and, and attach our prayers to his glory and his plan and his, uh, what he is doing. And so, anyway, I, I, I want to get back on my little pony again, but I wanted to kind of get your thoughts as as you look at these amazing, these three amazing historical books, Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther. Uh, kind of, what do you, what had, what have you kind of focused on, or what kind of jumps out as you at you from these well, books? Well, right, um, it's it's probably a good uh, reminder because. It has been such incredible, wonderful news in the country uh-huh. <laughs> um, this week. Um, and Ezra and Nehemiah, uh, and so kind of uh, I, you come in and it's a very expectant um, attitude, a very expectant, um, joyful, and it is a celebratory time um, for us. And, and then you, you know, you come into Scripture and Ezra and Nehemiah. That's also seemingly a very celebratory time. Mm-hmm. A return from exile. Um, they, uh, you know, the, the building of the wall, uh, uh, the renewal of Scripture being read out loud by the people. Um, sort of a, and yet it ends. It, and yet it's it's kind of rough because it it actually ends uh sad i mean it's it's basically well you know well we tried <laughs> yeah. i mean as far as nehemiah it, it it's not it doesn't live up to the expectations in other words you think this okay this is it this must be it okay this must be it <laughs> 
And again, though, the hearts are hardened or, um, and, or, you know, they, they get it right and then Nehemiah leaves and then he comes back and everybody's breaking everything that they just said that they were going to, uh, not do. You know, all of the rules and all the laws are being broken and, um, and so it's, a, it's interesting. I think it's just a, a reminder to, to, at, at least in terms of a people and as a, as, as a nation, um, wonderful. I mean, it's absolutely, it is worth, you know, celebrating when good laws are, when bad laws are rebuked and when good laws are put in place. That is yeah. a good thing. Um, and we do celebrate that, but a, a good reminder that it's, it's not about winning or losing. It's not even about, um, you know, necessarily doing the right thing, although that is important, or not doing the right thing. It is the heart. It is it is a person's heart for the Lord, and it's like it's exactly what you said. I mean, uh, it's are we within the will of God? Are we uh, are we focused on Him? Are our, our hearts surrendered to Him? Is and that's an individual and ultimately, thing. Ultimately, are we serving? Are we serving the we, ultimate yes. purposes of God? Not just yes. about winning okay, a political yes. war or whatever. I, I get it, right, and that, it, right. that is amazing. Yeah. Right, right. So it's an uh, um, so it's an interesting uh, it, at least in particular Ezra and Nehemiah, and maybe uh, with Esther, that's I, I guess a different take. But um, yeah, it was, it was just a a reminder to to celebrate. Yes, that's wonderful. I always I think of that verse. I think uh, several people have. Uh, written about it this week, but Psalm uh, and David just leaping and dancing for joy. Um, and you think of, you know, all the babies in the womb <laughs> leaping and dancing for joy uh-huh. um, at this news. I mean, it isn't, it's remarkable. It really is a historic uh, decision and we do celebrate. Um, we also realize though that in terms of the grand scheme and of, of all of um, of the church and all of God's people, um, God is bigger than any one of those decisions, and we believe He cares and He He's been involved and He's been a part of it. But He also has, like you always say, He's He's about the whole world and every people group and every tongue and tribe and calling out a people for Himself. And how do we every day um, fit into his plan and his purpose? And Mm. um, so it's just kind of that reminder to study on. (laughs) Study on and and continue forward serving God, serving the Lord through thick or thin. Uh, Some of these, uh, frankly, we come to this moment of victory. We come to this time of Ezra and Nehemiah. Uh, but mm-hmm. there were there were decades of having you know just oh Lord where mm-hmm. are you can't save us you know read, read, mm-hmm. and, and I, I'm sure there were people who uh, in that era who who sort of um, wondered where is God where God we're crying out to you would you save you know the the uh, this was seventy mm-hmm. year period so uh, there were there were men and women who born and died without seeing the answer. Uh, to their mm-hmm. prayer, and, and so we we have to we have to realize that too. And and we've been we've been praying. And Dr. Johnson went through kind of his own history of uh, yes, coming to faith so in Christ, and uh-huh. and then being God working in his heart and in Judy's heart, his wife, and and how he brought them through, and to this moment of where of where he's still. So, uh, what's amazing to me is that Al, in fact, they did, in fact, 
adopt children. They have done all kinds of yes. things to help you instead of uh, mm-hmm. aborting and killing the child, that they were willing to carry the child and, and you know, offer that child to for adoption to other families that w- couldn't have children. Uh, I mean, there have been so many good things. There are so many heroes that are over this over these last mm-hmm. 50 years who have, yeah. who have prayed, who have worked, who have ministered, who have uh, been faithful, and, yeah. and they they haven't seen this thing, this overcoming and the overturning of this flawed law, flawed judgment on the part of the Supreme uh-huh. Court is now changed. And it is not the answer to everything because now the question gets thrown in our system of government. It gets mm-hmm. thrown as it should have been in the beginning to the states uh, and for them to each of the different states to make their decision. And now, now we'll see what the states will do and, and what will happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's it's a good positive step. It's an answer of God, an evidence that He still attends to the prayers of His people. He is at work, mm-hmm. but there is a context, and it is uh, His redemptive plan, His atoning work, and and our how do we as God's people fit into that? Are we being faithful, obedient uh, servants right. to the Lord in 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 that bigger cause, the, the atonement, calling out of a people from self. Well, I, I appreciate it, Stacey, you taking the time to tell us that. And we are, this is, it is often amazing to me how that it seems like some great, amazing things, quite often, they, no matter what it is, sometimes I've even been impressed with this about, for example, Christmas. Here for hundreds and hundreds of years, the 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 promise is given the the messiah is going to come the god is going to be take on flesh there's this and, and the people looked for it for hundreds of years generations and generations passed and people were born and lived and died and didn't see it and then all of a sudden on some day it happens you know it yeah. And, and, <laughs> yes. and, and here we are. I mean, and of course, that is the big event, you know, the the coming of the Messiah. But this, here we are. People have prayed and thought well, look, the overturning of this flawed law, this wrong judgment, and it and yes, kind of it. It surprised me. All of a, I turned on the radio, and all of a sudden, hey, the yep. Supreme Court has overturned Roe v. Wade. You know, and they go, what? Wow. Yeah. Yep. It's astounding, <laughs> really. Uh, but. The the, uh, the the still the 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 challenge is still on for us to be God's people, faithful, obedient, servant-hearted, loving others. Uh, it's still our our task, and we should be, take some, but we should take some encouragement from it that God mm-hmm. has moved, He has acted, and we that should okay. I think hopefully that would encourage us to even more to. Uh, to serve him. And, yeah. In many ways, you know, like what you said about um, Christmas, that's interesting. Or even, you know, of course, the, the cross, you know, and him, and it's finished. And um, yeah. in a way, and I've heard, I've heard this a lot from, you know, from Christians um, as far as Roe v. Wade, you know, just the, you know, such celebration, yes, but also a kind of reminder, okay, now, now the work continue now, now, now I've heard you know, the real work begins um, because, you know, for so for so many, maybe that was kind of a secret hidden option as far as abortion. And, and now, you know, and I, I do not, I mean, Christians in the church have been 
amazing and wonderful. I mean, offering just like Dr. Johnson, I mean, adoptions and services and crisis Uh pregnancy centers. And I mean, there have been just thousands um, of believers who have have worked to help these women and babies. And so, um, but they, you know, saying, okay, well, but now, you know, we need to be there all the more. Let's now let yeah, women. the heart. The heart. Yes. And, it, um, and so in a way it feels kind of daunting. And, and I think that's where we need to pause. And mm-hmm. But re- remember, none of, we don't do this of our own. This isn't our own efforts. This is he will work through us. He mm-hmm. will provide the opportunity he sent he we have the holy spirit we have the helper we have his sovereign hand he is working and so you know sometimes we can say okay now we really have to and yes i i mean i i get that but it's also he's no he's doing it he is doing it if we if we haven't if we didn't know that before um the miracle that roe is overturned (laughs) should be i think affirmation It, it is his yes he's working and he will continue um, as, as long as our hearts are toward, bent towards him and, uh, and and we're working to um, to win other hearts. That's right. You know, it, it's uh, very interesting. Now the work begins, we've been serving his purposes for helping to reach men and women around the globe. And right here in our own country, there are thousands and millions who haven't heard, who don't know redemptive the the salvation that god offers through jesus the messiah so we uh we have our work still cut out for us it's not through and and we're gonna we need to continue praying and i think as we turn now from let's say from the book of ezra from this scribe this levite and scribe who who wrote uh the book of ezra uh, and we're now going to turn to talk a little bit about this fellow named nehemiah who was a tremendous man of prayer. We have 13 prayers of Nehemiah in the book of Nehemiah. There there are 13 prayers that he prays in the moment, on the spur of the moment, out loud in the book, that when certain things happen, Nehemiah goes to the Lord in prayer. And that that is a big challenge and a lesson for us as well, to continue to be people of prayer as we move move forward from uh, from this day as well. We'll come back in a moment. There's our music. The Bible Live uh, second segment is in the can. We're going to come for our final segment. I hope you'll stay with us and uh, give us a call if you'd like. 210, out the things that we've seen happen in this past week. 210-340-9585. Don't go away. With all the tribulations of the martyrs that have gone If you're grateful for their victory and for showing us the way Then give thanks for all your blessings Get on your knees and pray Thank God You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar Thank God for all the mountains and the sea We are back. Our final segment of the Bible Live broadcast. And thank you for staying with us through the break. Give us a call if you'd like. 210-340-9585. Maybe. 
decisions that were made this week on the, on the part of our Supreme Court, uh, six to three uh, in each, I think, in each of these cases, whether it has to do with um, uh, Roe v. Wade and, and, and the standard of, of, the, of life, uh, the sacredness of life and the, the, the priority of life, uh, that judgment, or the, talking about the arms and defense of oneself, one's home, one's family, uh, and so on, uh, the gun rights uh, judgment that was made, or maybe the, uh, the, the decision that was made that affects uh, God involved in the educational process, the spiritual dimension, the religious aspect of education being honored uh, and given a, a right, a place. All of these are very, very big issues that we've, that God's people and Americans have, from many, a thousand millions of Americans over these last uh, decades have been praying about and thinking about. Uh, maybe, maybe we're closer to at least a greater wisdom and a greater understanding, a better understanding of how we should proceed and treat these important areas of life uh, in our culture. So uh, if you'd like to comment, give us a call, 210 340 9585. How, how do you feel about it? How has it made you feel when you heard the news of, of these decisions? And, of course, there are more decisions that will be forthcoming. This is just really actually, in a very dramatic way, the first that will now set a precedent and will uh, be a part of things that are going to happen uh, now in the coming months. States of uh, these, some of these matters will be given over to the states. There will be deba- debate. There will be um, arguments and debates made at the state level across the nation uh, as things will fall out, how they will go. Maybe you have a thought about that or, or an impression as to how we should continue to pray or be as God's people. We'd love to hear from you. 210 340 9585. Call in and uh, opine. Give us the benefit of your impression and your thoughts to what we've seen, even as we study from the scriptures, the books of Ezra, Nehemiah, and we haven't read Esther yet, but we'll finish up Nehemiah and read the book of Esther this coming week. But these three books that come during this this dramatic period of the exile, God's people in exile, God clearly uh, is not uh, hamstrung. God is not... Uh, somehow weakened and un- unable to work. Uh, he's still working mightily. In fact, he accomplishes in a very dramatic way some some things that are so much great, greater during this period when his people in some... <laughs> In a certain way, his people are kind of out of the way now, and he's able to kind of do what he does uh, in in forwarding and advancing his plan for them and through them. Now, let's look at this individual named Nehemiah. He's part of this period of time. Uh, Under Zerubbabel, the the first group of about 45 or 50,000 people have already returned to Jerusalem. and uh, under Zerubbabel and, and, and uh, Ezra has gone to help out uh, with another 5,000 folks, and they went to help supervise the rebuilding of the temple. Uh, and and this is the the temple was rebuilt. In, in 515, they finished the altar 
uh, at the temple. And this is where most people, uh, not most, I won't say, but uh, some people date the 70-year period from 586 when the temple was destroyed uh, until 515 when the altar was rebuilt and the temple was rebuilt uh, under Ezra. That's kind of what some people think kind of is the 70-year period uh, that that had been predicted that they would be in exile. But then now uh, with a group as well. Nehemiah is not a preacher. He's not uh, He's not a, uh, like Ezra. He's not a scribe or a biblical um, authority. Ezra definitely is. Ezra wrote a number of the Psalms that we read in the book of the Psalms. And he is also... Um, uh, one who, who he he reveres the scriptures. He he wrote the books of the chronicles. He put the, this selected history that we have that we have finished reading now together. So Ezra is a, a tremendous uh, man of God. He's is a Levite and a scribe, a very uh, true to and a lover of the scriptures of God's word. Uh, and Nehemiah though is not. He is Nehemiah basically is a politician. He, uh, 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 not a politician in the popular sense of he got elected to anything, but he is a cupbearer in the palace of uh, the emperor. Uh, a a cupbearer, which is a, which is a political position. The cupbearer, as you know, even from Daniel, who also was a, a, a cupbearer, uh, and. Uh, Others that we know, the cupbearer. Remember the in in the time of Mo, uh, in the time of Daniel. One of the one of the men that Daniel was imprisoned with was not Daniel wasn't a cupbearer himself, but he was imprisoned with the cupbearer of the Joseph. emperor. Jo- I'm sorry. Thank you so much. I'm getting Joseph and Daniel all mixed up. Joseph, but so the cupbearer. We know the position. It, it is. It, it, it's it's not just a table waiter. Uh, this was more it was a very trusted political position because these emperors had always to be uh, alert to the fact that they there were they had enemies and there were those fine and so the cupbearer was one who was trusted to taste the food and taste the wine to make sure that there was no uh, it was a very trusted position and, and uh, this was Nehemiah his position now uh, as as uh, a pe- part of the people of God, a, a, a Jew, he has was the cupbearer to uh, uh, Artaxerxes, and he goes to him. We read about it, uh, and so uh, in chapter one, we have the first prayer of Nehemiah. Uh, Nehemiah is concerned for his countrymen and for back in Jerusalem. It says, In late autumn in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign, I was at the fortress of Susa, uh, which is a, a, a palace, a winter palace uh, in the south of uh, Babylon, men who had just arrived from Judah. And I asked them about the Jews who had returned there from captivity and how things were going. Uh, you're talking about Ezra and others. And he said, things are not going well for those who returned. They are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. And this was during the time of Nehemiah. Uh, I'm sorry, Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, and when I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, the, for days I mourned. 
fasted and prayed to the God of heavens. And I said, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of unfailing love with those who love him and obey his commands, listen to my prayer. Look down and see me praying night and day for your people of Israel. I confess that we have sinned against you. Yes, even my own family and I have sinned. We have sinned terribly by not obeying your commands, decrees, and regulations, the ones you gave us through your servant Moses. Please remember what you told your son. Obey my commands and live by them. Then even if you are exiled to the ends of the earth, I will bring you back to the place I have chosen for my name to be honored. The people you rescued by your great power and strong hand are your servants. O oh Lord, please hear my prayer. So there's this first prayer. In those days, he said, I was the king's cupbearer. And, and look at chapter 2. Early the following spring, Nehemiah says, in the month of Nisan, uh, during the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign, I was serving the king his wine. I had never before appeared sad in his presence. I mean, you know, like the emperor doesn't want to say, it's a beautiful day, isn't it? And that sort of thing. But Nehemiah is sad. And the king says, why are you looking so sad? You don't look sick to me. You must be deeply troubled. Wow. This was a scary moment for Nehemiah. And Nehemiah says, uh, I, I replied, long live the king. How can I not be sad? For the city where my ancestors are buried is in ruins and the gates have been destroyed by fire. And the king asked, how can I help you? And Nehemiah says, with a prayer to the God of heaven. His heart went up to a prayer. He said, I replied, if it please the king, and if you are pleased with me, your servant, send me to Judah to rebuild the city where my ancestors are buried. And the king, with the queen sitting beside him, asked, how long will you be gone? When will you return? After I told him how long I would be gone, the king agreed to my request. Uh, let me have letters to travel safely through their territory on my way to Judah. And please give me a letter addressed to Asaph, the manager of the king's forest, instructing him to give me timber. Uh, I will need it to make beams for the gates of this temple fortress, for the city walls, and for a house for myself. And the king granted these requests because the gracious hand of God was on me. And, and there you go. We're off and running now. To, on, on this wonderful story of Nehemiah, how God takes this man who is a cupbearer to the emperor, opens the door for him to return to Jerusalem uh, and rebuild the walls around the city to defend uh, a city. A city in this era, is, if they have no gates, no way of defending themselves. And um, so he is given permit and permission and even resources to go back to Jerusalem, back to Israel, and rebuild the walls around the city of Jerusalem. So this is an amazing time. Uh, Nehemiah, Nehemiah travels back. He experiences great opposition. The, the people in the land, there are people who oppose them, uh, who work against him politically, who threaten them uh, militarily, even there comes a time when they have to have and uh, in, in the, have their sword in their left hand to defend themselves in, in case of attack. They are they are distracted. They are threatened uh, in every way. Sometimes, sometimes at one point, the de reconstruction of the walls of Jerusalem are even put on hold uh, as the the people find political. Uh, cover and they find a way to politically stop him from rebuilding the walls, and then miraculously, the, uh, the new governor Darius 
he is led to read the permit that was giving the building permit that was given to them and they are, and the and the work is able to pick back up again the same thing happens in the book of Esther they discover this these this uh, proclamation that was issued by I think Cyrus the Great that that enabled them to go back and they the door is open for them to go back and resume building and continue the the to move uh, the people of Israel to restore and be to once more go back to the land of Israel because this is where God has promised and this is something I, I think Stacy mentions quite often and I think we have to continually remind ourselves of this because it's not by uh, it's not by our strength it's not by sword it's not by political movement these things can be involved they may be part of the mix but God doesn't use just simply earth, earthly uh, weapons uh, that these are spiritual matters that God works with and that uh, it was a situation to bring about his purposes. And it's God's covenant that he is keeping. And God's covenant is a covenant mm-hmm. with himself, not, you know, if, if the people of Israel, if you will do this, then there was a certain aspect to that. If you will do that, you will experience my blessing and my protection and so on. But in terms of his redemptive plan, God had made a covenant with himself that I am going to carry this through about. And so we see God on his own without abusing the free will of even this godless pagan emperor, Xerxes, Artaxerxes, Darius, uh, Cyrus, even. But he works in and through and with his people, Daniel and others, to, to cause these men and women, these emperors, to be willing to do his purpose. Maybe it was for the wrong reason. Maybe it was for their own advancement or their own kingdom. We don't know exactly all their motives. But God is at work in and through and with them. And he accomplishes his perfect will, uh, even in, in these very difficult situations. Now, we have, I think, the thing, one of the things we learn from Nehemiah uh, in these prayers uh, that he throws up in, in several occasions. He, he is Jerusalem and he sends out. He goes out by night and does an inspection of the gates. He doesn't send a, a, a public group and so on, but he, he looks at the gates. He evaluates. He formulates a plan. And uh, look at the bottom of chapter 5. He says, uh, uh, I, I also devoted myself to working on the wall and refused to acquire any land for myself. I required all my servants to spend time working on the wall. I asked for nothing, even though I regularly fed 150 Jewish officials at my table, besides all their visitors from other lands. The provisions I paid for each day included one ox, six choice sheep or goats, and a large number of poultry. And every day, 10 days, we received a, we needed a large supply of all kinds of wine. Yet I... Yet, look what Nebuchadnezzar says. Yet I refuse to claim the governor's food. Remember, O oh my God, all that I have done for these people and bless me for it. <laughs> a little prayer, a little prayer. All the way through, we see <laughs> Nehemiah turns to prayer. He gets attacked by the people that live around him. And he turns to prayer. He says, I can't do this. I'm busy about doing something very important. I don't have time to come out and have a conference with you. I'm, I'm, I'm involved with God's plan, with what God is doing. 
And that that's, that's a good lesson for us. Don't be distracted into necessarily and unnecessarily unless God is calling you into the political arena and to do things at that level. And there can be those moments when we're called to do that. But in his redemptive plan, that's so very, very important. Uh, Ezra reads the law of the scriptures to the people. Ezra and Nehemiah are our uh, contemporaries here. Haggai and Zechariah are among the prophets that go back with them and, and prophesy during this period. And we have their books in the, in the books of the minor prophets, Haggai and Zechariah, Malachi as well. And so uh, we see uh, a lot going on here. God accomplishes a great deal even during the time of this exile. And, of course, here dramatically toward the end of it, we see God working to restore his people to the lineage of David uh, through and in the house of David, in the city of David, Bethlehem, uh, the Messiah is to be born. Here we are 350 or 400 years out in front of that, but God is preparing the way uh, for himself. Any, if you'd like to give us a call and comment, you better hurry in if you'd like to. to uh, Two ten three four zero ninety five eighty five is our phone number. Any, any uh, Al, I brought it about the the way that it happens. We're encouraging people to read these books, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther. If you'd like to go to thebiblelive dot com, I'll read them to you. Uh, you can find them and just go on to our website and look under the uh, the readings. That you you can follow the look under the different tabs. And go back and hear any of the readings from the scriptures all the way back to Genesis. Uh, but if you'd like to reread those, you can go back and find those past uh, episodes, those past readings from the books of Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther as well. We invite you and encourage you to do that. Very to the king in that position uh, held a great deal of sway. In other words, it was a respected position. He, the king needed him. I would think in maybe current times it would be similar to the chief of staff to our president trusted advisor, uh, someone who he, he depended on to give him good advice. And so the, the cupbearer, we think of it in maybe a, a demeaning way, he's just, he's just a servant, you know. But he was very highly thought of in that oh, yeah. position. He was appointed, if you would. That's all I had. Because of his clientele. <laughs> <laughs> and and I, I assume the emperor left him a big tip every now and then. I don't, I don't know. But, yeah, that went on. And and I, I think we should remember, too, in our times in which we're living, remember the people who uh, we have. God's people are everywhere. They're in the government. They're in the bureaucratic positions. There are people. Mm-hmm. Uh, Campus Crusade, or crew, as it's called now, we have a ministry. Uh, the, uh, the Christian Embassy is in Washington, D.C., that works with uh, people, um, ambassadors and others for the United Nations, and the ambassadors and uh, folks from the United States government are part of the ministry there. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, representatives and senators and their their staff, many of their staff are believers and they attend Bible studies and so on and prayer groups all throughout the capital. Uh, And so God's people are there. And they are praying and they are working and they are seeking to to make a difference uh, realistically in in Washington, even in the swamp, even in Washington, D.C. God's people are there. We need to be praying for them. 
just as God, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, there was Ezekiel, there's Nehemiah, uh, other Ezra, and the, God used them in that moment to bring about his purposes and to further his redemptive plan. That's one of the, the, the great message I think we pick up from Ezra and Nehemiah and some uh, some really good tips about how we can pray, how we can, can work to further God's plan and God's redemptive plan, even from our common, normal, everyday, humble positions down here in San Antonio, South Texas. See you next Sunday night, folks, here on The Bible Life. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's 218-218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 930 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The The Bible Bible Live Live Quiz Show. Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and the Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America.